1: Hello and welcome to another episode of Attacking Third, a CBS Sports Soccer Podcast. I'm Sandra Herrera, lead NWSL writer for CBS Sports. Joined today as always by my colleague and co-host Lisa Roman, broadcaster and analyst for CBS Sports on today's episode. We've got a news and notes segment for everyone. Hello and good morning to you all joining us live in our YouTube chat. Quick reminder to subscribe to us on YouTube and give our videos a thumbs up youtube.com slash attacking third you can get exclusive content previews recaps interviews all right here with us on a3 good morning good morning good morning lisa how you doing today bud
0: good morning sandra um i'm good hanging in there you know uh getting over a little bit of a cold i've had the past couple of days so uh apologize that this is a audio platform and everyone has to deal with the the congested voice but hey that's how you that's how it rolls it's getting better day by day um no snow here in center city philly where i am the the burbs have gotten a little bit but i'm waiting for i'm waiting for like that Perfect start of snowfall where it just like slowly glistens down onto the the ground. I love that. I live for that in January. Uh, but no, just you know grinding out the days. We um we've had a couple interviews that you and I have been really jazzed about, and I'm I'm like waiting to drop them in into our feed. So they're coming, everyone. Don't worry. But there's just been so much news happening um but in the NWSL around the world of women's football everywhere that we had to push an interview today. It'll probably come tomorrow. I'm going to tease it a little bit here. Uh, Great interview dropping tomorrow, but because there's so much news happening that we get to talk about. How are you? How's it going?
1: I'm with you. Same energy except on the snow. Uh, In Chicago, it's definitely still ongoing in terms of the, the snowfall. Had to do a round of shoveling just yesterday and... Looking like that's
0: gonna be on my agenda today as well. Um and might be you you me. and Mark you and Mark together, cause Mark Howard joining oh, us man. live on YouTube saying that Toronto's got some snow. He's got the day off. Heck yeah. Um man. awesome. Okay, wow. Lucy Mark. also has snow. Where are all of you? And and can you send some of the snow to Philly? Just a little bit. I don't want too much. I'll send <laughs> you some
1: snow. I mean, look, I, I I shouldn't be too complaining about it. It's it's uh at least I guess what you could consider manageable, um, snow. So that'll definitely like some shoveling around of shoveling will probably definitely be on, um, you know, part of my agenda today, but first things first I had to hop on here and chat all things soccer with you. Cause yeah, you, you, you said it right. I mean, while we've been sort of having these interviews and, and sort of, you know, creating the contents and for the weeks to come and, um, Trying to to keep up with uh, the news cycle, uh, sure enough, we were like, you know what, we got to go live and talk about some things, uh, some news things that have dropped uh, across across the league, the NWL specifically, and just sort of recap that uh, on the show and 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 with the uh, and with our listeners. And I think I think there's things still people are still looking at, at trades, you know, going on, free agency signings. Um, And a lot of cool things like that preseason has technically arrived in the league. So we're going to touch on all those things, but we wanted to start at the top with some of the news because the league uh, announced some investigation results. And with that, some additional corrective action, Um, they revealed the uh, results of an investigation uh, within Portland Thorns FC and Washington spirit, Uh, not to be confused with the, uh, official joint team investigation. This was a, a separate third party conducted, um, investigation and for, for Portland thorns revealing that, uh, allegations that, uh, that were brought up pretty much during the, uh, playoff run for Portland Thorns here so November of, of 2022 uh allegations around assistant coach uh Sophie Klo athletic trainer uh Pierre Sobrier uh Dr. Brown the team's uh, official physician uh so a number of, of folks in, involved in in this investigations uh Sophie Klo uh allegations of unwanted physical contact with a player uh, a player reporting concerns that the Kissed her neck at the team's championship celebration in DC. There was additional reports of, of bullying, um, and the investigation, although within the raw assaults, kind of cleared her of that. It said that it did not; she did not exceed bounds of of, uh, of what would be considered appropriate coaching. Um, and then things, I think, get a little bit more gray, or not so much gray, yeah. but murky, really, when it comes to. Uh, Dr. Brown and, and athletic trainer uh Pierre Sobriere uh talking about we're talking about you know very high uh dangerous sort of drugs he, the allegations were that he administered uh, essentially codeine to two players before the October 2022 semifinal um these are controlled controlled substances that are supposed to require a prescription by a physician specifically um And not only was it during the semifinal that apparently it was issued on multiple occasions without prescription and physician supervision. And then that's where I'm talking about murky, because you're getting into like federal and state law violations versus something like a league policy. Um, And this part of this sort of, I guess came to light because the team doctor, Dr. Brian Brown essentially did self-reporting and reported herself and was the one that gave access ultimately um, for uh sobrier to to administer that uh, that coding. So I guess there was, you know, the with these allegations coming to light around the playoffs, a third party investigator was uh hired by the league and they ultimately found wrong enough wrongdoings and violations of, of team policy that additional corrective actions were were issued. And while the league issued specific corrective actions and they're going to be based on what we've seen before in the past, Lisa, there's sort of these conditions in place that there has to be, it's going to be, uh, any future employment, it's going to be determined by, you know, uh, the commission at the commissioner's discretion, but there also has to be like an, um, an admittance of wrongdoing, acceptance and acknowledgement uh, of any wrongdoing. There has to be additional, you know, training that has to be completed and only then could they possibly be, uh, considered, but, uh, things like, um, you're getting into things like uh, boards and medical yeah. court, uh when it comes to things with, with Dr. Brown and, and, uh, and so, and Mr. Sobrier. So I've just, uh, it's uh, it's a little murky, I think in some areas. And then and for Portland Thorns, they even took it a little bit of a, of an additional step forward within the consequences. And, and these particular people have been fired from the Thorns, although Dr. Brown still remains uh, the, the team doctor with the, with the club.
0: Yeah, so I think that's really important to touch on is that assistant coach Sophie fired pretty much immediately upon the results of these investigations. Um, and with Sobriere, as soon as um, these this was kind of brought to light for the team and the league and the investigation started, Sobriere was put on administrative leave. So that was early December, December 7th. Um, and since then, he's, he's now been fired, pen, like, due to the results of this investigation uh, administering codeine to two players and and one of them uninformed the player unaware that it, it was happening to them um uh, without the informed consent. So since then, after being fired by Portland Thorns now, um, his future employment depends entirely on the Oregon Board of Athletic Trainers and the Board of Certification because they will go to a ruling and they will determine if he is eligible to continue practicing as an athletic trainer. Um, and I think it, it's really important that the league um, it enclose details about Dr. Brianne Brown and her involvement in this situation because Dr. Brown self-reported herself to the league uh, and to the team um saying that she gave Sobrier access to the codeine and uh, according to the NWSL she was uncomfortable with that decision and then promptly communicated to Sobrier that uh, the codeine should not be administered um but it it was retrieved by Dr. Brown and it wasn't administered uh, so because of that, Dr. Brown did not violate any federal or state law or league policy. So Dr. Brown doesn't have to do anything legally on that sense. Um, and it, within the NWSL, Dr. Brown is now um, subject to increased oversight by NWSL chief medical officer, Dr. Sydney Chang, for the next three months. So a little bit of probation there for Dr. Brown after the self-reporting, um, but still found that Dr. Brown didn't do anything wrong, essentially. And, and for uh, athletic trainer Sobriere, it looks like he's got to essentially go to court um with these different things and because it does become a legal matter administering substances that he is not allowed to administer he is not a physician he cannot write prescriptions he's not a doctor um so it's it's definitely pretty intense and, and pretty different than what we've seen traditionally with. There's been a lot of allegations of sexual assault or sexual misconduct or verbal abuse and, and mm-hmm. verbal assault. But this is, this is very different because it becomes medical now and it becomes legal within the state of Oregon and the United States of America. And I think that's where this is, uh, takes just a different turn. It's just a different branch of the tree, which the league now has to kind of look at and say, okay, we've got anti-harassment laws in place. What else can we do to make sure that this doesn't go any further as it continues to progress?
1: Yeah, it's something it's one of those things that we're going to have to keep an eye on because there's like another component to that that we'll probably have to you know, that we'll probably get an update on uh, further further along the line. For for Washington spirits, um, we had chatted and, and during with,
0: the- with Pierre Sobrier before we move on to that. That is Crystal Dunn's husband, which has been reported throughout all of this. Just for those that don't know, I know people in our chat right now are saying that and talking about it. For those listening, though, they are married. Um,
1: yeah. I mean, that's uh, for, I guess that's, that could be something if you're more of like a, a casual follower. Yes. Of, yes. Of the, of the league or soccer. Maybe that's not something that. Um, Folks know, and I think I'll just take it one step further and say that Crystal Dunn, the player, was uh, nowhere named within any of these investigations. Correct, and people should continue to um, differentiate those two things and understand uh, those two things as well. Um, and, and Washington Spirit are also uh, included within uh, this. Uh, this. Uh, investigations and some of the results that they issued we, we had talked about um former head coach chris ward in the spirit during the 2022 season lisa because uh he was someone that was ultimately terminated and dismissed from his role uh it was due to uh a very specific sequence of events as we were talking about, there was a, uh, a situation that took place within um, training grounds and uh, there were further investigations that were, were, uh, that were conducted around this. And, and since Since we're talking August 2022, and now we're here January 2023, uh, the investigations ultimately sustained that he had engaged in verbal abuse and emotional conduct uh, that includes uh, specific racial stereotyping. So in August was... Fired as head coach due to this training ground incident. Uh, there was yelling, uh, claims that there was yelling at players uh, during out of frustration, he admitted that. That's something that he went uh, in an interview with The Athletic on. Um, but this investigation and the, and the league ultimately found that he uh, did engage in overly aggressive behavior and harassment through negative racial stereotyping um, towards a player. And that is in violation of league policy so uh in terms of some of these corrective actions that have been placed from the league towards these individuals he had already had termination from the spirit so with the with these corrective actions they for chris ward specifically they have deemed him ineligible for future employment um but there are there is a condition within that that if you if They were to seek employment within WSL, there has it has to be with approval of the uh NWSL commissioner, and there is additional um training that would have to come into play, and there will have to be again an admittance of wrongdoing and an acceptance of personal responsibility within that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like reading the updates between all of these individuals and the corrective actions issued to them from these two particular clubs, uh, it just sort of I appreciated the uh, the, the consequence essentially that, that that was issued because we're talking about um, medical things, um, mm-hmm. very very layered and complex like medical laws <laughs> and, and practices that we're talking about with the Portland Thorns investigation. And then when you look at the Washington spirit, it's important to note that it's a different. Situation because it's uh, it's issues of of racism that are involved yes. you know, within this particular uh, situation, and I think it's important to, to always note that that there are there are unfortunately things that we've had to cover uh, over the last couple seasons of of this league when it when it has come to all of these varying investigations, whether it was. You know, U.S. Soccer's independent investigation with Sally Q. Yates or the joint team investigation um, between the PA and the league or or now these sort of individual, unique, one off kind of specific third party investigations into clubs and allegations there. No matter what they are, there have been things that have been investigated within all of these um, reports that have that can impact All players at any level within this league. Totally, and it's it's we've talked about things like um, whether sexual harassment or misconduct. We've talked about now we're talking about things like medical malpractice, but when it comes to racism, that is actually something that cannot be experienced by all players in this league, and so because of that, it should absolutely be taken care of and treated with the utmost urgency and importance as 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 something like uh, a sexual like sexual misconduct allegations or something like medical malpractice allegations racism is not something that should just sort of be like oh wow isn't that a terrible thing that happened and just sort of move on what is going to happen no. from this from this point so while I'm I'm you know it's, it's good to see that the league issued uh, a, a pretty serious um corrective action to this particular individual. And my hope is that from there that the players in the Washington spirit and across the league continue to get support um, with whenever, when it comes to issues of dealing with things like racism or uh, racial profiling or things like that within their playing environments. So uh, I think that's also something that we need to continue to, to keep an eye on and not just sort of be like, okay, well, this thing happened and they issued a corrective action and now let's let's continue uh to move forward like no like that's something that you always have to keep maintaining an eye on and hopefully um you know try to eradicate or eliminate like within yeah, within the league you know
0: it's, it's horrible that right. it's it's yeah it's horrible that it's not something that you can just say like okay no we're done with that it's it's forever ongoing and it it needs to be stayed on top of that it, it doesn't continue to happen moving forward whether it's with Chris Ward or anyone else. And I think that one step that has been taken forward in the last year or two years within the NWSL is taking those allegations seriously and understanding that they need to be investigated and that there needs to be action that is taken following those investigations. Um, with the results of of the investigation into Chris Ward and, and these actions that happened in August of last year, um, we talked about it at the time because this was a, an open story as to why Chris Ward was uh, relieved of his duties as head coach earlier in the year, um, and kind of how that unfolded. He then went on to have an interview with the athletic where he talked about the situation at practice and that he admitted to yelling at a player in frustration and, and then following that, we saw, a Washington Spirit team statement from captain or co-captain of the team, Andy Sullivan, saying that uh, the team was angered by Chris Ward's answers in the interview, um, saying that, yes, there's two sides to every story, but that is not the case in this scenario. They know um, that uh, stating that the interview that Chris Ward did was completely inaccurate recollection of a serious situation um, and that the apology that Chris Ward was offered to the team, um, there was a misalignment in his words and his actions towards the team. So I think that's, it's interesting because that part of it coming out in late August was public. That was put out on social media. The, The interview was put out by the athletic and a lot of this was in the public eye. And ultimately the league, Had to go through an investigation about what happened, and they found that the allegations against Ward were sustained. Um, And as you said, I think that uh, aggressive behavior, the harassment, and uh, most importantly, the negative racial stereotyping towards a player is completely in violation. Um, But the fact that he was already fired in August is—it just adds like a different layer layer of difficulty, right? As to this point, because. He's not still employed by the league or by the club or anyone at this point. So then yeah. it, it limits the league and this Washington yeah. spirit, their course of actions as to what they can do against this person because they're no longer
1: involved. Yeah. And that's the, the correct vaccine, just sort of seems like they're ultimately upholding right. the consequence that was already issued by the club specifically, right. um, while just sort of add, like tacking on that added component of like, you're because of this, you're ineligible. And even if there's a possibility of your reentry into the league in any capacity, there has to be an admittance of wrongdoing on your part mm-hmm. in this uh, specific uh, situation. So I think to sort of maybe transition from this and, and continue to talk about more news that that's happening in the league Um you know, I think there's also an interesting reaction to this type of stuff when it comes out. And I think you and I, well, you and I saw it when when the league released this, that sometimes there has been this added reaction from the public where it's like, oh no, here we go again, kind of energy around the league and issuing these things. And I just want to remind folks who are Listening to this, or, or or watching us on this, is that, you know, this league is in, is trying uh, its very best to sort of take these next steps into its next era, and for a long time, a whole decade, in fact, this league existed without so many of the very important things that need to exist within. Any organization, uh, any working environment, any working environment, (laughs) yeah. Like things like uh, you know, this league didn't have you know, had clubs that didn't have like HR apartments, there was no anti harassment policy in place, uh, there were no appropriate channels for players to go and report complaints or anything like that. Those things did not exist for nearly an entire decade, um, within the league and within some of their clubs specifically. So what's happening now is now that there are resources, now that there there's a literal CBA for players that exists now, um, There's a player union that's in place that that wasn't necessarily Mm -hmm. always a part of the league in its first 10 years. Um, And now there's those anti-harassment policies and now there are actual uh, uh, channels and avenues for players to report uh, concerns or misconducts and allegations. Because those things exist now, there's actually going to be some more of this, I think, moving forward. Because these things are in place, they need to allow the opportunity to produce the eventual change that the league and the players actually want to see. So mm-hmm. is it exhausting to read something like these kind of constantly or from our perspective kind of cover it? Yeah, of course. I'm not going to say that it's but, not.
0: But, but we're also it, not the ones going through it and we're, we're also not the, not the ones
1: going through it and it's be exhausting for really, the players. It's also just really an important part of this next um history. of of this league because we need to ensure that we're like covering it and talking about it and documenting it um, and making sure that the league does kind of, really stay within that that third step, right? We, we've heard so much about this three-pronged yeah, approach yeah. to the NWSL ecosystem in this next era for the league. The first of that was going through these investigations, seeking out the truth. Uh, the commissioner are talking about how they're really kind of in this second step of issuing corrective actions, but that that second step kind of goes hand in hand with that third step, which is ultimately systemic reform. And systemic reform is not something that is going to happen overnight. That's not how it works, especially when we're looking at sort of um, the past decade of things. There's like a decade of things that have to be undone and sort of, um, you know, rectified and clarified and, and you know, continue to, to to be worked on. So um, it, I feel everyone, when they maybe sort of feel a, a layer of exhaustion and maybe they're like, "Ugh, this is the part that, that's really, really tough. Um, and I can assure you that if it, it's tough to, to, to read or, or go through, I can only imagine that it's even harder for, for players who have to live it every day and go through it. Um, so while we're here to talk about the soccer and cover the game and, and all that, we're also here to cover the players. And um, yes, we're really looking forward to, to continue trying to, to balance those two things uh, to, together. So uh, we have more to talk about on this episode. Thanks to y'all for joining in this first half. We're going to talk about player movement, trades, free agency, so much more. The rest is football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Beats. All right, let's chat about it. Let's talk about some things happening in NWSL. Before we jump into that, just want to say congratulations to uh, Barcelona Femini. Uh, Shout out to them announcing that they uh, earned their 50th league win. It's a pretty outstanding run. They have uh, 50 total wins, which is something uh, that hasn't really been accomplished before, even for the their men's side of the team. So that was something that was surfacing around uh, just yesterday on, on Wednesday, the January 25th, you're joining us live on this episode, <laughs> Thursday, the 26th. Um, But yeah, ultimately the longest run up until Barcelona achieved that was Lyon on a 46-game winning stretch in the uh, French uh, championship from December 2011 to January 2014. And Barca's uh, uh, streak uh, sort of began in the summer of 2021. And then they went ahead and kept winning, essentially. So congratulations.
0: (laughs) All they do is win, win, win.
1: Yeah, congratulations uh, uh in or, or in order for them. So congrats to Barca Femini. Uh we have seen some player movement. Lisa, let's chat a little bit about shifting into preseason and kind of switching gears from from an off-season mode into a preseason mode. Uh it's early. It's early. These there are voluntary uh, preseason reporting that that's happening right now some players are already in market. Some players are not. Uh, Teams are putting out preseason rosters. Some teams have not been able to uh, finalize those yet. And there has been player movement because free agency is still absolutely a thing. Let's start with Orlando Pride. Uh, Orlando
0: Pride. Just before we get into this, as a reminder, we do have like the (laughs) framework. We don't have a schedule yet for this year for the NWSL. We've got like the the bones, the framework. So it's uh, the flexibility for teams to have a six to eight week preseason camp that can open as early as January 23rd. Uh, We're already on January 26th, but no later than February 6th and the regular season kicking off March 25th. So players are are trickling back into their respective markets. They're getting back into their clubs, moving into their homes for the year, um, kind of all getting settled in. There's been preliminary training. If you follow some some of these nwsl teams all over social media they've got really fun interactive things that where you can see the players getting their their testing done their medical exams things like that it's it's cool to see it's like the start of a new school year right the start of a new yeah. season you get all get all your new gear you get get in line get situated you get to see all your friends after the long off season
1: <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't that be funny though if like you're like growing up like you're like in grammar school like your school years are like oh yeah like voluntary reporting begins this day like would you have been one of those like st- students that like showed up voluntarily no. very early would you I, have waited to like the last no. absolute day
0: I would have waited till the last day I wanted every single bit of my summer freedom as a kid in school uh, of course I wasn't showing off on day 1 of the voluntary reporting no in school <laughs> heck no soccer Yes, when we had like voluntary training before preseason started in college, yes, I was there because – Hey, that's fun. Those are your friends. School is like, come on. I don't want to learn anymore. School,
1: sports, <laughs> Right. Different things. Uh, okay. Player moving out of Orlando pride maybe a little bit different in terms of what's necessarily considered like a trade or things like that. But uh, the pride uh, making a mutual announcement with goalkeeper Aaron McLeod and midfielder and midfielder Gunny Uh basically making the announcement that these two players are stepping away from Orlando pride, they have plans to return to Iceland. Um, the duo is married and the wives are, are looking to start a new chapter in their life in Iceland specifically. So news of this dropping kind of right after, uh, essentially the, the announced retirement of Darian Jenkins. So it's kind of this one, two combinations of, of, of three players who are not going to be part of this Orlando pride unit uh, moving forward. When you sort of, we, we talked a little bit about Darian Jenkins in a previous episode and her retirement. Now we have this chat about when you're sort of looking at um, this particular announcement, like what, what were your reactions when you saw it? Was it just like, Oh no, like here are some more players that the pride are losing, or is it just sort of like, okay, you have to just sort of pick up with the pieces that you have and, and, and push forward through preseason.
0: It was a little – my my response and reaction to this was a bit two-pronged because yeah. I am super happy for Aaron and Gunny because uh, Gunny yeah. is from Iceland. Um, she's an Icelandic international player. And for Gunny to be returning home is really special. That's really cool. After so, so much time away from your home, um, you get to now go back to Iceland and go back to home with your wife. Like that warms my heart and that makes me super happy. But these are two veterans, two veterans yeah. in the league league experience with Orlando pride. They've both been on that roster for a a chunk of time. Um, So that's something that I think is maybe going to hurt Seb Hines and and this Orlando pride team moving forward. Because last year in 2022, uh, Orlando dealt with a lot of, Uh, ups and downs. They struggled and and they had weak moments. They had some really strong moments throughout the year as well. And they had a very young team last year, a, a new team, right. That had a lot of new players coming in that hadn't played together consistently. They ended up getting an interim head coach towards the end of the season. Um, So this year, it was like the turning of a page for Orlando. They've got Seb Hines as their head coach who finished out the year with them last year. He gets a clean slate with this team. You've got Marta back in training after her year out due to an ACL tear. And now you lose your starting goalkeeper in Aaron McLeod who who played – pretty much every single game last year for Orlando. Most of the games between the sticks for Orlando, she was very consistent. She's a huge leader for this team. And Gunny, who is a midfielder that brought so much veteran and leadership ability to the midfield for this pride team. So that's something that I think is going to hurt this team moving forward without uh, some of those veterans um, and those older players that have been in the league for a while not being there. But ultimately, uh, there's only so much you can do, right? They're probably nearing the ends of their careers they've been playing for a long time and now they get to go celebrate uh the honeymoon phase of life together in iceland and i'm happy for them on that front
1: yeah we'll see uh what the next move is for them iceland does have a have a league out there and so i know there's a ton of players who have um, had experiences uh within that league specifically are now playing in all different areas of, of the world now uh but orlando pride uh not the only team to have a bit of of player movement or player news to to talk about Chicago Red Stars uh, making some headlines of their own and this time uh, in a way which they are adding pieces to their roster instead of saying farewell. So there was a, long dark stretch and period of time there where when we were talking about this this team it was in the sense that they kept losing uh players and now as they kind of are taking those early steps into preseason uh we're talking about Chicago adding uh players to their roster they announced that they signed Brazilian international and midfielder Julie Bianchi to a two year contract uh she is the first Brazilian to play for Chicago in its NWSL era during the uh, WPS days. Uh, Chicago Red Stars was a home to uh, Christiani and Formiga, so third ever but first ever in, in NWSL history. But then, you know, the Red Stars, that wasn't the only bit of news, player news that they Cheta, put out there on and, and, uh, Wednesday. They also were part of a trade with Angel City, uh, and they have acquired midfielder Kari Ricaro in exchange for $65,000 in allocation money. And listen, where there was one, why not get two? I love yeah. this move for the Chicago Red Stars. It's, uh, great to see that they were able to, to make these moves and, uh, shout out to their new GM, Michelle, Nikki, uh, getting it across the line, um, I know what I felt about this, but I'm curious your thoughts on, on this, Lisa.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm really happy for Chicago. It's about time, right? They made some moves. I don't have to tell you that. You know, you've been waiting for some things to happen in in this off season. But um, initially getting Julie Bianchi... Ex- is that how you say it, excuse me, um, to a two-year contract. That's also fantastic, right? First Brazilian to play for Chicago in the NWSL um, and, and a two-year contract, right? That's that's fantastic to see that you get her for two years. You get to develop this player and solidify her in, in the midfield for this Red Stars team. And and this was an off-season for Chicago that – suffered a lot of loss with their free agents. They lost all three of their starting midfielders, the most consistent players on this team, Morgan Gattrall, Vanessa DiBernardo, and Danielle Colaprico. Um, they lost all of them. So they've really needed to rebuild. And And when you you look at the 2022 season for Chicago, they had a lot of young players that stepped in and, and filled holes. And they dealt with a lot of adversity due to injuries, especially in their back line. And with Chris Petroselli as the head coach, it changed the way Chicago played last year. We saw them go from a four back to a three back and, and really find their groove and find their footing with that three defensive back at the end of it all. Um, then we see the announcement that Carrie Ricaro is coming from Angel City to Chicago. And personally, I love this grab for the Red Stars. This is huge. Uh, Carrie Ricaro is a player that's been in the league since 2016. She's been around, she's got a lot of experience. She's played for um, a, a few different clubs between Houston, North Carolina, most recently with Angel City. And last year, we saw Carrie Ricaro grow into a role on the pitch that we haven't seen her in before. She, started 20 out of the 21 games that she played in for Angel City. And she ends up getting four goals. Her first four goals of her NWSL career all come last year for Angel City. And Angel City struggled with a little bit of attacking prowess that they had suffered some injuries to Kristen, Kristen press. They got Sydney LaRue and, and she suffered some injuries. They had some player movement, but the fact that your defensive midfielder and Carrie Ricaro is scoring goals, four goals and one assist for angel city last year. I think that's a promising thing. And so now you put a player like Carrie Ricaro underneath someone like Mallory Pugh and uh, with the vision from Ricaro to be able to play those slip passes through uh, onto the foot of a pew, um, the, the young players up top like L Stevens. Uh, the, this is exciting to me uh, for Chicago. Um, I, I love that they picked up Recaro. Um and, and Angel City then getting 65,000 in allocation money. So um, not too bad for Angel City as well, but I think Chicago wins in that trade for now.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, listen, they had, They had very specific needs. We talked about that um, in the lead-up to the draft. We were looking at clubs who were a little thin in certain positions in their rosters, and we had a a handful of clubs that we thought needed to really tackle that draft to try to help kind of build out their rosters, and Chicago was a part of that equation. Orlando, Washington Spirit, we had included in there as well. Um, And it wasn't too surprising to see Chicago's preseason roster and see so many non-roster invitees along that preseason roster. But within that, knowing that they were still capable of making a player acquisition and international signing at that, making a trade for a veteran uh, NWSL midfielder in, in Recaro um, and to sort of be able to continue to flesh out, their roster hopefully through the preseason because that's part of what we're witnessing now with some of these preseason rosters dropping preseason is one of my favorite times of the year for for nwsl because you get to see these preseason rosters and you get to take a look at who's got 30 plus players on their preseason roster so many times you're looking at rosters that are have like 30 players or even like 35 players on them and obviously that sort of gets uh you know Whittle down over the course of of the the extended preseason so we'll see the players who uh, you know leave an impact who will be able to to maybe earn a contract out of of preseason um performances and um good for chicago for you know sort of Trying to finally yeah. find a way to, to sort of build out uh, the midfield p- specifically for them. I'm very curious as to where and how they might utilize these players. Um, Ricardo Kent is someone who could play lower, but so is Bianchi. Yeah. Do is. Yeah. Coming off, coming from Palmeiras and in Brazil, and she has won awards out there for being like the best defensive, like Brazilian yeah. defensive midfielder. So I'm very curious as to what we're going to see. Are we going to see a pivot? Are we going to, you know, see someone move higher? Um, very, very excited uh, for the team moving forward. Uh, Gotham FC, we got to chat about. Uh, <laughs> I guess the the other shoe finally dropped. They, they had, they kicked off. They were the ones who kicked off the free agency period when Kelly O'Hara went uh, on Men in Blazers an episode of Men in Blazers and made the announcement that she is going to move from Washington spirit to Gotham FC. And then there were no details about it. was too early contract. too, right?
0: Gotham ends up getting fined because they, they did it too early and they weren't even allowed to announce it. They do all this big men in blazers and, and announce it for Kelly O'Hara and they end up getting a fine. They didn't even care. And then it was like, okay, well, how long is she there? What's what's the money situation? What's happening? Why is she going to Gotham and, and what's there? And you're exactly right. The other shoe finally dropped.
1: We we she she signed it. It's official. Like it wasn't just an announcement. There's a contract. It's a multi-year deal. O'Hara with Gotham FC on a two year deal, I believe. And uh, they finally have that other piece that they knew that they were going to, to have for for 2023 free agency has been uh exciting but it's not just player movement that that we have been talking about this week uh we saw that the thorns went ahead and made it official they've appointed heather davis as ceo their chief executive author he- heather davis has uh, been involved with the thorns organization kind of in an role uh general counsel but now uh essentially being promoted to, to the new uh, CEO and uh, just wanted to include that within all of our, our news here, but uh free agency winding down a little bit, perhaps in lights of the preseason kicking off. Let's talk about free agency a little bit. Uh, it's not over yet. I think we will have to put a final grade on things once, uh, once preseason actually gets officially rolling on February 6th. But while we've seen some movement, while we've seen some players clearly exercise their free agency and ink new deals with new clubs, there's still some uh, players whose status uh, we are uh, waiting to, to see if it, that's going to change. are some of these players who are remaining on this free agency list mm-hmm. In current negotiations with clubs in the league, or maybe they're looking at opportunities outside of the NWSL. Uh, let's maybe run down list of players uh, remaining on this list. Uh, we have Jalen Daniels on there, Elizabeth Eddy, Julie Ertz, Tobin Heath, Kaelin uh, Caitlin Johnson, Shayna Matthews, Tony Presley, Tommy Richardson, Jody Taylor, Michelle Vasconcelos, Kalia Watt. Question mark. Listen, we, we, let's, <laughs> let's, let's go down. Let's go down these. Um, there's a number of players here where even Lisa, when we were fleshing out our outline of content for today that we even had question marks over because we were like, we thought maybe this player had already announced in a, a new a new club team or, or the, the club announced a, a re-signing of some of these players uh, or, uh, we were even curious about a player like Kalia Watt her her husband <laughs> JJ Watt already announced his retirement from mm-hmm. uh the NFL and we thought that we were trying to rehash our brains and say like oh did did Kalia Watt also retire but there we were looking around for for some of that and there's nothing that's really been publicly stated out there at at the moment um and then we were also very curious about uh, like uh, Elizabeth Eddy, like the, the contract dash, situation, right? like going from Gotham and then being traded to the dash. And is that just something where it's like the contract expired and there weren't actual negotiations occurring? And I think you could, the same, the same thing could be said for maybe like a player like Dummy Richardson. Dummy Richard was, was a part of uh a certain amount of players that Gotham also ultimately bid farewell to and said, we wish you well, good luck on your next endeavors, that there wasn't perhaps maybe uh, a really uh, meaningful nego- renegotiation to, to sort of retain those players that Gotham was going to essentially move on and, and look to, to flesh out their roster in, in other areas. But even for somebody like Katie Johnson, I, I remember talking with you yeah. about it, Lisa, and you were like, Hey, didn't she resign with San Diego? And we were like, no, that was actually Mackenzie Doniak. And for, Katie Johnson, you know, there's, there's rumors if this, if it's not going to be NWSL, where is it going to be? Right. I think that's the next phase of this for the free agency list. If it's not going to be a club with NWSL, what options are these players uh, going to look at moving forward? Katie Johnson is a player that has been linked to Liga MX Feminil for pretty much the majority of her NWSL career. Um Really, since she was a rookie, is was this a player that was ever going to make the jump uh, to Liga MX feminil? I would argue that those rumors are still prevalent, probably <laughs> more so today, as she as she's a player who's listed on this free agency list. Um, but uh, you know, it's it's always interesting to see like where a player like that can end up because part of her returning to California was that she she was. Part of right. she wanted out of Chicago, wanted to play closer to friends and family. So, where's her next move go? Now that San Diego has also sort of appeared to to have moved on from negotiate and say like we're fleshing out our roster and moving forward. Um, so, where does some someone like her uh, end up? So, when you're when we're looking at these this sort of dozen of names or so remaining on this free agency list, it's far less than the initial forty five. Uh, that there was to start when you're looking at these remaining names for you, Lisa, like who stands out as maybe like one of those names that you're just like, this is still a really good player that could slot in into an NWSL side or who's someone that you're surprised to still see um, amongst this names?
0: Yeah, I think that these are good questions because we've heard from uh, clubs that these players were previously at that they were no longer citing them. As you mentioned, Jalen Daniels with North Carolina, Domi Richardson with Gotham. Um, there's a couple on this list, but there are also a couple that their previous clubs didn't say anything. I think Elizabeth Eddy was the one that I was most like. Hmm, interesting that Houston didn't release her from my knowledge and what I could see and find that they didn't say, okay, Elizabeth Eddie, we're going to let you go. Now uh, Houston had a very good off season. I think they picked up Diana Ordonez. They've got a a lot of depth. They picked up some, some rookies in the draft. Um, I I could see why maybe they don't need a player like Elizabeth Eddie, but when you run down this list, um, I, I think a lot of people have circled Julie Ertz on this list. I just don't foresee anything really coming of that. As of right now, as a free agent, she can stay a free agent. She doesn't need to sign with anyone. Um, and I just don't think she will. I think Tobin Heath and and the talks of her and where she's going, um, what's happening there, the fact that she has not re-signed with OL Reign makes me... Uh, firmly believe that she's not staying in Seattle. Um, I imagine she wants to get to California, wants to get a little bit farther south, be a little bit warmer. So that's a player that I I think still might have a little bit of shelf life left. And although Tobin Heath has suffered some injuries and she's coming off of a surgery most recently, um, this is a player that's by by no means at the peak of her career. She's... maybe nearing the end of her career at this point, but she's still got some life left in her. And you've also got the name of Tobin Heath. And that's a pretty good signing to get. If you're a club that's looking to get some fans out to games, you're looking to to generate a little bit of a talk around your club and, and chatter. I think that's a player that a club wouldn't mind signing, but you also have to remember that these 12, 11 players are free agents because they've had, a lot of experience and a lot of success in the league historically. So they're at the point in their careers where they can negotiate for what they want. And some of that may be happening behind closed doors, right? We don't know if any of these players are very close to signing a contract with a certain team, but they're just working out those couple ex- extra dollars or those couple extra things that this player wants. Um, but they're nearing the end of that uh, those talks and those negotiations because, hey, we're on the verge of mandatory preseason to start for these clubs. We've got about two weeks left, right? until a week and a half left until these teams have to have everyone in market and have to be ready to go for preseason and the clock's ticking for some of these players. I imagine, I I think Jody Taylor is a good grab, right? We've seen what she could do. Um, and, and you have to be wary that it's a world cup year. What's going to happen? Who are you going to lose? heading into the summer months throughout the NWSL. But th- those are probably some of the biggest names. The Katie Johnson, as you said, um, uh, Elizabeth Eddy for me, Jody Taylor, and I think Tobin Heath, it would behoove someone to, to pick up her for the name, if anything.
1: Listen, we're live right now, Lisa. Frankly, I'm just surprised that nothing's dropped as we're <laughs> doing this episode. Because I like to think sometimes that we're a little bit of a catalyst for things. It's like, you mm-hmm. know what? Second, third's going going live, we should definitely drop a trade or a or a, or a free agency signing right now as uh, as we're going live to react to and it. No uh, better time
0: than the present.
1: Should I? Yeah. Should
0: we be refreshing Twitter here? What's happening? <laughs> yeah,
1: let, let us know what we're missing in case something has dropped. But uh, We'll keep an eye on it for sure. February 6th, the official cut update preseason kicking off all team or all players uh, reporting into markets. Uh, so I would anticipate that we'll still see some things in the pipeline in the lead up over the next 10 days or so within that. But for now, that's all we've got for you this morning. Thanks, everybody, as always, for joining us here on Attacking 3rd. Download, follow, listen to us anywhere you get your podcast. You can watch us, too. Subscribe to us on YouTube to get alerts for whenever we go live at YouTube.com slash attacking third. Like, follow, subscribe. Leave those comments because we want to hear from you. We always appreciate when you uh, drop us a line and show us some love. Uh, we'll be back with so much more. As always, on A3, for Sandra Rivera and Lisa Roman, this was the second